It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's happening? What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I appreciate patrons to the show like Deborah, Josh, Joseph, Tim, Richard, Bill, Robin, Andy, John, and Billy. Thanks so much for all of the support. I couldn't do the show without you guys. Patrons to the program. They get exclusive content and merchandise, by the way. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com, and there's a link at the top, and you click on that, and that's how you become a patron. Um, also, thepetecalendarshow.com is how you can easily subscribe to the podcast. There's a big button right there next to my face. Yeah. You click the button, and then it just comes every single day to your uh, smartphone or to your tablet, and you don't even have to do anything except listen, be informed, and be entertained. It's what we do. So mattresses is what Mattress Man does, which kind of makes sense. Otherwise, it would be weird if you went to Mattress Man and there were not mattresses there. That would be weird. But luckily, there are lots of mattresses. And exclusively at Mattress Man is the Biltmore Collection by Restonic. These are made by uh, folks in Fayetteville. And these are the mattresses that are uh, in use at the hotel and the inn that are on the grounds of the Biltmore Estate, hence the name, the Biltmore Collection. So you can pick up one of these mattresses, and also right now for the MLK sale, the Split King mattress blowouts going on, free adjustable bases with the purchase of select mattresses. There are uh, uh, great ways to customize this because they're split, right? The mattress, instead of being one big, solid you know, mattress uh, of a king size, it, there are two of them. And so one side will raise up the head, one side could raise up the feet, you get soft, you get firm. You can totally customize uh, the king-size mattress for uh, both you and your partner. So go check out mattressmanstores.com, look at the selection, or better yet, just go into one of their four locations, or all four. You can go to all four. I'm not, I'm not telling you you are limited. You can go to any of the four or all of the four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide. They have local five-star delivery service, and they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. You can also pick up a 14-inch hybrid queen-size mattress for just $578, your choice of firmness. Also, take advantage of the triple zero deal, zero down, zero APR for 24 months, zero payments for 90 days. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So President Joe Biden yesterday unveiled his administration's strategy to defeat the COVID-19 pandemic by signing executive orders and other directives to jumpstart the expansive effort. Okay, so uh, we're going to find out whether or not it's all been due to a lack of uh, comprehensive federal strategy. This is what we have heard from our governor in North Carolina, Roy Cooper. He has constantly blamed uh, former President Trump and the federal government for, you know, not coordinating all of this stuff better. I, by the way, am totally fine with a decentralized federalist model rather than a you know national model. I'm totally fine with that. I think just, and by the way, I can uh, give you a, a good comparison. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper has adopted very much the same sort of approach. It's true. Yeah, in this state, he has allowed local school districts and health departments to make individual decisions 
on various aspects of how they respond and um, and govern and limit and restrict uh, in, in these COVID times, right? Uh, restaurant capacity numbers, right? He has constantly said, you guys at the local, you know, city and county levels, you can go more stringent if you want. You can have more restrictions. School districts, you can go plan A, plan B, plan C, whatever. You can choose whatever you want to do. But apparently when it comes to a, <laughs> when it comes to the national model, uh, he wants to be told what to do. And look, a lot of this is political posturing. A lot of it was prior to the election. And so you had people that were, uh, you know, governors that were running for reelection like Cooper that did not want to shoulder all of the responsibility slash blame for things that have gone poorly. So if you could, you know, blame the federal government for not doing enough and never actually articulate what it was you were expecting them to do, because um, he never did, by the way, he would always say, you know, we need a national strategy, which here the here's the downside on a national strategy is that they're going to make decisions based on different criteria than at the state level. And so I'm I'm actually fine with the vaccination uh, distribution being delivered based on population. That makes sense. And then you let the states decide. And they're looking at populations like, you know, those who are old because those are the most vulnerable. So I'm okay with with that. But we're going to find out because Joe Biden is going to lead the way now. He's he's signed a whole bunch of executive orders declaring this a wartime undertaking. He. Uh, invoked the Defense Production Act to boost coronavirus testing and vaccination supplies, among a range of other orders and directives. Now, I've got a question about that vaccination number, but uh, I'll get to that in a minute. First, more than 408,000 people have died. 25 million have been infected in America alone. According to USA Today's story by Joey Garrison, the White House billed the strategy as a national approach to combat the virus after President Donald Trump left states in charge of administering vaccines and purchasing protective equipment for healthcare workers. Quote, for almost a year now, Americans could not look to the federal government for any strategy, let alone a comprehensive approach to respond to COVID, said Jeff Zients or Zients. Z-I-E-N-T, Zients, Zients, it's Zients. Anyway, uh, he is Biden's White House coronavirus response coordinator. So there's been no comprehensive approach to COVID or to the vaccines or anything. It's just, and this ties into a CNN report that I'm going to get to uh, where they said there was, you know, no, no plan in place. Several priorities are contingent on passage, though, of what Biden wants to see is the COVID-19 relief package of almost $2 trillion. So these are executive orders, but there's no funding attached to them at this point because he doesn't have the bill passed. Biden challenged all of us Americans to mask up for the next 100 days. He has a goal to administer 100 million vaccines during his first 100 days, which is actually a lower number than what we are on pace to do. <laughs> so <laughs> the number apparently nobody did the math on this the rate of vaccinations being done right now would put and then someone charted out what's 100 days from the inauguration we would have been at 108 million so his his promise is to deliver 8 million fewer vaccines in 100 days than we otherwise would have seen so tell me again why this is a preferable plan 
See, that's what you get with the national federal coordination. <laughs> with a comprehensive strategy from the federal government, we're going to have 8 million fewer <laughs> vaccines administered. Uh, okay, so there's that. Um, what else? He laid out four priorities in a plan introduced last week. Uh, allow more people to be vaccinated, create more places for people to get vaccinated, mobilize more medical teams, and increase the supply. Biden signed three orders uh, earlier this week focused on the pandemic. One was the creation of the COVID-19 coordinator position who reports directly to the president, ending the withdrawal from the World Health Organization and requiring masks and social distancing guidelines on all federal property. And this one caused some problems. <laughs> for the administration, you see. Uh, I'll tell you why in a second. If you've got problems with buying or selling your house, then I have the solution because I am all about solutions here. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, they will get your house sold quickly and for more money. Um, or if you're looking to buy a house, she's got homes in all price points and she'll find one for you. Or if you were like me and Christy, uh, we wanted... Like we looked around and we were like, there are so many houses, they're so expensive and, and they require so much work to be done that we finally said, you know what, what about a, like a, a, a build to suit idea so that we found a neighborhood, they were building new houses and we get to make some decisions. We get to choose like, is this one better? Do we want this kind of, you know, countertop or, uh, this kind of, you know, exterior paint job, that kind of stuff. And, um, we didn't know some of the things to ask like and for here's one example on resale which would be better a kitchen faucet that has three holes drilled through the countertop or one hole one is actually better if you're looking for resale down the line which we are so uh, these are the questions that we would consult Rowena uh, about as we were going through this process and we're in the middle of the process now it's actually uh, they've now staked out the ground they're getting ready to pour the slab and everything so I'll keep you posted on all of this as we go forward but call the only agent that I recommend Rowena Patton 333-4483 mountainhomehunt.com and start packing all right so the uh, president Joe Biden he institutes this uh, executive order, signs this order uh, to require masks on all federal property. And this created a bit of an issue because he was then spotted at the Lincoln Memorial. And by when I mean he was spotted there, he I mean, he did a photo op there where he stood there looking up at the statue with a light on him alone, contemplating. This is such a powerful moment for me on inauguration night. OK, so he's there at the Lincoln Memorial staring up at the statue. No mask <laughs> after he had signed the order. And then here's the question now from Steve Ducey from Fox News to the newly appointed Press Secretary for the White House, Jen Psaki. Why weren't President Biden and all members of the Biden family masked at all times on federal lands last night if he signed an executive order that mandates masks on federal lands at all times? At the inaugural... At the uh, Memorial, yes. I, I think, Steve, he was celebrating uh, an evening uh, of a historic day in our country. And certainly he signed the mask mandate because it's a way to send a message to the American public about the importance of uh, wearing masks, how it can save tens of thousands of lives. We take a number of COVID precautions, as you know here, in terms of testing, social distancing, mask wearing ourselves, as, as we do every single day. But I don't know that I have more for you on it than that. 
So, all right, and he's going to follow up and I'll play it, but that's not responsive. She did not answer his question. Why is he not wearing the mask when he signed a mask mandate? He's in violation of his own executive order. Why is he in violation of his own executive order? And she says, well, you know, we believe in masks. It's, it's not an answer. That's not an answer. But remember, this is all about truth and transparency. She has promised truth and transparency. Remember, I went over this yesterday. They are vowing truth and transparency to the media. Unlike that old White House press shop, those people were just liars and they wouldn't tell you anything. As uh, Joe Biden often talks about, uh, it is not just important the uh, example of power, but the power of our example. Was that a good example for people who are watching who might not pay attention? Uh, normally. Well, Steve, I think uh, the power of his example is also uh, the message he sends by si signing 25 executive orders, including um, almost half of them related to COVID. Uh, the requirements that we're all under every single day here to ensure we're sending that message to the public. Yesterday was a historic moment in our history. He was inaugurated as president of the United States. He was surrounded by his family. We take a number of precautions, but... I don't think I think we have big bigger issues. We have bigger issues. <laughs> it's a historic moment in history, by the way, in case you weren't aware, it's a historic moment in history, which I'm unaware of historic moments occurring in anything other than history. But uh, that's just me. Uh, no, she has no answer. This is all spin. And it is. Uh, well, I guess it is transparent. It's very transparent what she's engaging in. Right. <laughs> so I guess promise kept. Biden signed three orders and then came back the next day and did uh, a bunch more. I think there were, hang on a second, I've got them. There were 10. Yeah, there were 10 more. So he's got 13. And that's why she's like, well, you know, the example is in all of these executive orders that he has signed. Right. Rather than the, hey, everybody wear a mask. And then he, you know, takes off his mask and walks around for photo ops. Oh, and by the way, uh, Jen Psaki delivering these comments, you can hear maskless. Not wearing a mask in the White House briefing room, indoors, talking to people at the podium on federal property. As far as I know, the White House might be considered to be federal property. How come she's not wearing the mask? Hmm. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Uh, here are the orders. Direct federal agencies to exercise all appropriate authorities, including invoking the Defense Production Act to accelerate manufacturing and delivery uh, delivery to meet shortfalls in equipment and supplies. Uh, establish the COVID-19 pandemic testing board to bring the full force of the federal government's expertise to expanding testing supply and increasing access to testing. Yeah, because... That's what we need right now is more testing. That's the answer. Direct new stuff. It's almost like they're fighting this battle from six months ago. Are you guys aware we've got vaccines now that are rolling out? Okay. Direct new studies, including large-scale randomized trials to identify treatments for COVID-19 with a focus on addressing the needs of diverse populations. I've got more information on that, by the way. Uh, number four, direct a national strategy for safely reopening schools. Why do we need a national strategy for reopening schools? Why why is that necessary? Why I mean think about the hubris and the arrogance that's required to think that you could possibly know how best to direct all schools at all levels, cities, counties, private, public, uh and to do so in every single state. 
Like it's 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 this belief that they're all the same. Um, direct a national strategy for reopening schools. I read that one. Require masks be worn in airports and certain modes of transportation like planes, trains, maritime vessels, and intercity buses. Establish a COVID-19 health equity task force to provide recommendations to the president for allocating resources and funding in communities with inequities in COVID-19 outcomes by race, ethnicity, disability, and other considerations. Number seven, restore full federal reimbursement to states and tribes, up from 75%, so now it'll be 100% for National Guard personnel and emergency supplies. And uh, because National Guard is helping with the vaccination centers and manpower and the like. Uh, Let's see what else. Direct the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to issue updated guidance on COVID-19 worker protections. Number nine, improve access to COVID-19 care and treatment. I read through this one. I'm not really sure uh, what exactly it's going to do, but it sounds good. And number 10, direct the restoration of America's leadership globally to support the international pandemic response effort. So, again, uh, sounds good. We're doing stuff. (laughs) Uh, Yay us. So this gets to uh, the CNN story now. So there's a reporter over there. MJ Lee is her name. And. She had a big scoop, everybody. Yes, she had a scoop of scoops. All right. The CNN story was that uh, there was the quoting an unnamed Biden official alleging that, quote, there's nothing for us to rework when it comes to the vaccination plan uh, from the previous administration. The CNN story, and I call it a story because that's all it apparently was. It's a story. It had no real basis in truth, apparently, because uh, this scoop, this story was that the Biden administration was, quote, starting from scratch. Okay, and um, if you go to the Patreon page uh, for the prep sheet for today, you will see there's a fellow named Drew Holden, and he documents how that story from CNN then gets spread and how the narrative that the Biden team is, quote, starting from scratch It just gets picked up and regurgitated as fact, as the truth. And it goes far and wide. You get Democratic lawmakers that are echoing it. You have other media outlets that are echoing it. Um, That that the team, that the Biden team had to start from scratch with its vaccine rollout after anonymous sources claimed that the new White House inherited no plan. Quote, we are going to have to build everything from scratch, they said as well as that the new administration would have to start from square one. But during the White House press briefing, Dr. Anthony Fauci, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Fauci, I don't know, I've never never seen or heard of this guy. He's completely brand new to the scene, because after all, there has been no plan (laughs) from the Trump people. This is so stupid. Like, in order to believe that there's no vaccination plan, I would have to be blind and ignorant. This it's it's absurd on its face. When I saw this story and I'm watching yesterday, the um, Department of Health and Human Services secretary, Mandy Cohen for North Carolina, and she's she's explaining like why North Carolina's rollout has been so bad. Um, And she's saying like, oh, you know, well, we get these doses. The federal government tells us how many doses we're getting. And then they come this, you know, like we tell them or they tell us on a Wednesday, they arrive by the the Friday and then we distribute them and all this. So that sounds like a plan. Now, you can argue here that the plan is not a good one. And that's totally 
legitimate. You can I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one. I'm not down into the weeds on the logistics of it or anything, but uh, you can argue it's a bad plan, but you can't say there's no plan. You can't say you're starting from scratch because there is, in fact, a plan. And as proof of it, I would cite the fact that people have gotten vaccinated, <laughs> that first off, that the vaccines have been developed. They were rushed to market and now they're being distributed all over America. So there is obviously some sort of plan going on, but this all falls apart. This story from CNN all falls apart when Dr. Fauci goes up there uh, at the White House press briefing and he is asked about, are you starting from scratch, from square one? There's no plan. And he said, quote, we certainly are not starting from scratch because there's activity going on in the distribution. It's my Fauci uh, impression. Uh, it needs some work. Um, but yeah, so he, he denied it. He's like, this it's absurd. There, Yes, there is a plan. Obviously, there is a plan. We are We are distributing the vaccine. So it completely destroys this fake news story from CNN. So tell me again about all of the steps that are necessary to take in order to halt the spread of disinformation, because that's what that was. This was Biden's team telling CNN in order to promote this false narrative that there was no plan and they have to start from scratch. Now, you can say they were doing it in order to what minimize expectations. So when they don't deliver the vaccines in a timely fashion or the distribution methods get completely disrupted and now people don't get the vaccines on the regular uh, schedule that they were getting them. If there's any kind of disruption in the system, then the Biden team gets to say, well, you know, we've had to rebuild this whole thing from scratch. It's just fake on its face. Obviously so, right? Um, so that's what occurred. They used CNN in order to present this false narrative for political aim. Now, if I'm the CNN reporter, I'm hacked off. I'm hacked off. Almost as hacked off as I would get when I would try to do projects around the house and not have the right tool. Oh my gosh, it's so frustrating. So that's why I love this concept. There's a business concept, general equipment rental, where you just go in and rent the tool that you need. I wish I had known about general equipment rental uh, back when I was doing this renovation. Of course, I was uh, in a different city, so it wouldn't have helped me. But <laughs> uh, general equipment rental in Weaverville, they can help you. So get the tool that you need for the job so you can do the job right. And save yourself a lot of the headaches uh, and a lot of the trips back and forth to the store to get certain pieces that you think you need. And then you buy it and then you're like, oh, my gosh, now I got to return it. You know how many times I return stuff? Because <laughs> I would try, I would go there and I'm like, well, this is not the correct tool <laughs> that I need. This is not helping me. See, General Equipment Rental, the folks there, they will actually... Uh, tell you uh, how to use the tool for the job that you need to do. So if you're a homeowner or you're a general contractor, business owner, and you just need a tool for the one job, go to General Equipment Rental. But uh, if you are also in the market for picking up some Honda or Husqvarna power equipment, well, General Equipment Rental is your official licensed equipment sales and service provider for both of those companies, Husqvarna and Honda. Uh, they also do equipment service and repair, by the way. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Super easy to get to. Very convenient. Uh, and go to generalrents.com. Check out their equipment there and the deals and think outside your toolbox. So CNN gets caught regurgitating a false story. 
a fabricated story designed to make the Trump administration look bad and to give the Biden administration some cover in case things go wrong. Okay, that's the obvious implications for why this occurred. In my assessment, that's the obvious uh, implications. Now, there's a bit of um, a local, uh, a statewide uh, example of this as well. So the Associated Press has a reporter. uh, I think he's fairly new. um, Brian Anderson. I've played some clips from him, some of the questions he asks, some of the stories he writes. Uh, He does reporting in North Carolina. And... He has this story that North Carolina's top public official acknowledged for the first time that the state has seen a small number of coronavirus vaccine doses thrown out at a time when supplies remain limited. So this is one of the issues with the virus or with the uh, vaccine is that you've got to use it in a certain amount of time particularly uh, when you get this shipment and you you take them out of the freezers, then you have to administer them in a certain amount of time. And if you don't, uh, they go bad. They, they spoil. And that's why you hear these stories of uh, clinicians running around, like pulling people off the street. Hey, you want the vaccine? And like just sticking needles in people's arms, trying to get them vaccinated because they've got these doses that are otherwise going to go to waste. And this was an interesting Uh, There was an interesting development that was cited by Timothy Wigginton. He is the press secretary for the North Carolina Republican Party. And he asks the AP and specifically Brian Anderson, uh, the reporter here, asks him, uh, who does he need to call at the AP to get headlines edited for his political benefit? He says, or do I need to be a Democrat? Because the original headline and framing of this story was North Carolina wasting some COVID doses, top health officials say. That got changed to small number of vaccine doses thrown out. Well, which is it? Now, is this is this nitpicking? Maybe. But why would you change it? Some COVID doses. Now, I would say you should have said COVID vaccines, but some versus small number. What's the difference? Well, The state won't tell us. The state won't tell us how many doses are actually being discarded due to spoilage. So we don't know. And when asked, they can't give a number. So when the AP guy writes it up as uh, some doses, well, I I guess he got pressured. I guess some people made some phone calls. It's actually a small number. It's a small number. She, uh, Mandy Cohen says that it's in the tens of doses. She estimates that the waste is in the tens of doses. But it's an estimation. She has no idea. There isn't any data that's being collected and produced about this, which is really not surprising in this state. North Carolina has long been, the entire year, has long been cited for really crummy data collection uh, when it comes to COVID-19 stuff. So this is not new. This is not new, but I do find it interesting that you can get headlines rewritten, I guess. And so did Tim Wigginton. Um, he said that the Cooper administration refuses to give a specific number of vaccine doses that have been wasted. So why would the AP say that it's a small amount? You're just you're just taking what she said as the truth, right? There's no evidence of this. This is, I don't know, maybe an example of why that Axios study that we uh, uh, that I mentioned the other day, that Axios 
Trust in social media has hit an all-time low of 27%, and with traditional media for the first time ever, fewer than half of all Americans have trust in the traditional media. 56% of Americans agree that journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or gross exaggerations, which of course they do. Of course they do. I've been saying this for years. People don't buy newspapers when the kid on the corner is screaming, absolutely nothing happened. Read all about it. (laughs) Why would you? Nothing happened. I don't need to read that. But now if you can say, oh my gosh, if I don't read this paper, I might die or one of my family members might die. Give me a, give me a copy of that paper quick. Give me two. I'll take a dozen, right? That's the way media has always operated. I used to, and I have joked about this for years as well, that if you're not scared, we're not doing our job. The promotion of the product as the savior to you, that's not just going to, you know, impart vital information about your community and interesting tidbits about stuff not, and weather and sports, of course. But uh, no, no, this is stuff that if you don't listen, if you don't uh, consume this media product, like your life is going to be at risk. You need to be very, very worried about fill in the blank. And we're going to tell you how to avoid fill in the blank. ProPublica, they have a report out. Clinics and hospitals have gotten slammed when the media learns of them wasting a few doses. And so the signal now to everybody is if you don't report or sorry, if you you have waste, don't report it. Because if you do, you're going to get into a lot of trouble, which means a lot of waste and a lot of underreporting of that waste. Right? This is how the media impacts these stories. Because when 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 they find out, oh my gosh, they had to waste some of these vaccine doses. Who did? Where? Let's find out what happened. Who's to blame? Right? And then the clinic is like, oh my gosh, we had to waste like two doses today. And now someone found out and they're going to keep track of it. And now we're going to get slammed because the media is going to be beaten down the door saying, how dare you waste these things? But rather than explaining in a rational way, the reason why this stuff happens, how does it happen? Well, people show up uh, or sorry, people don't show up for an appointment. For example, they make an appointment to go get a vaccine and then they don't show. Meanwhile, the clinic had to take the vaccine out of the freezer so now it's sitting there, it's thawing, and now you want to go use it. Oh, but the, the person didn't show. Well, what do we do with it now? Well, if you are like restricted, like in some states, like uh, was it uh, de Blasio in New York City, or maybe it was Governor Cuomo, he was talking about uh, fining people thousands of dollars if they gave the vaccine to people who were not in the approved distribution demographic priority list, Right. Like you can't just like Israel was doing this. Israel has had great success in their protocols and their distribution priorities uh, because like they were just running around trying to find anybody. Like if you could get a uh, if you wanted the vaccine, come and get it. And they and they broke it down by age. So we but in you know North Carolina and in all these other states, you've got to you know pay homage to the social justice warriors. And so you're like, OK, well, we got to make sure that we take into account all of the you know historic inequities and uh, racial justice and blah, blah. And you, and you construct all of this complicated matrix of who is supposed to get the vaccine first rather than the simplest thing, which is, hey, the most at risk people should get it first. And the most at risk people are old people. 
old people with comorbidities and then younger people with comorbidities and then just open it up for everybody and and just push the vaccine out as fast as possible to whoever wants it as quickly as possible like that's but they but they tried to create this whole system and then they tried to blame the CDC and the federal government for not telling us what we should be doing here you know <laughs> we need we need CDC to tell us how to prioritize this do you really do you really anyway um, the CDC requires all organizations that administer the vaccine to report the number of vaccine doses that go unused, spoiled, or expired. The CDC also asks states to describe their wastage monitoring method during the distribution planning process. Vaccine providers, like pharmacies and hospitals, are supposed to provide data on wasted doses to their state health agencies, which then send the info to the CDC. But for some reason in North Carolina, we don't have those numbers. Not exactly sure why. I'm not exactly sure why you're not going to Old Grouch's military surplus at this point. I've been talking about him since the launch of the podcast. And he's got great items and new items, by the way, all the time. So even if you have been, you need to go check back because he's constantly getting new stuff in. Cool stuff like military field jackets. Um Teenagers love this stuff, by the way. Uh, you can get them in solid green or camouflage, but also cold weather gear. If you're a hunter, or a hiker, or a camper, you work outside. Um, this is great, heavy-duty, military surplus stuff, uh, but high quality, and you're going to find it at much cheaper prices than you find at the outdoors stores. Stuff like, you know, Gore-Tex jackets, wool socks, and toboggans. He can help you build a first aid kit customized to whatever you need. Um, he's got Kevlar. So uh, this is the latest round he got in was Italian military Kevlar helmets. Um, that stuff usually goes very quickly. He's also got ammo cans. I just got a message from a listener who said they picked up one of these large ammo cans uh, and they love it. Uh, yeah, they're, they're so cool and uh, they, they work very, very well. So for just regular storage, but yes, also for ammo storage, but for uh, regular storage in like your work truck or uh, in your garage or something. Also gun accessories. He's got tons of stuff. Go check it out. Downtown Clyde on Main Street, Old Grouch's Military Surplus. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and, of course, 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. And tell them that you heard it here on the show. The North Carolina Chamber CEO Gary Salamito put out a rare commentary this week criticizing the state of North Carolina's vaccination distribution effort. This is a piece by David Mildenberg at businessnc.com. He said the business promotion group would form a committee to study ways that the private sector could speed distribution of vaccines, noting that the state's, quote, abundance of world-class healthcare, logistics, and communications expertise makes North Carolina's failing particularly vexing. This is a great point. How is it that we have all of these, you know, world leading industries in these fields and we don't have some sort of task force made up of these experts that have created the, the best way to do this? It, it's one of the it really is one of the, the, the most blatant and most grotesque failing of the uh, North Carolina political press corps that covers these covid briefings that the governor holds as to why they are so incurious as to who is advising him on this stuff. Why are these, um, why are these experts and this, this, this body of expertise just ignored? Why is that? 
the state it has the state has administered about a third of its allotment of the 850,000 vaccine doses and federal officials say distributions may be tied to the effectiveness of states in the process. So here's the thing. If you're not like North Carolina, if we're not doing a good enough job in getting the, the vaccines into people, then the feds are going to say, well, we're not going to give you more until you are better at doing this because we've got other states that are better at doing it. And we're going to push them out to the other states first because they're actually vaccinating people. (laughs) Uh, About 267,000 North Carolinians have received vaccinations or about 31 percent of all allocated shots. And that ranks us 37 out of 50 states. Salamito said, quote, the stakes could not be higher and our current confidence could not be lower. Sobering realities for a state accustomed to leading. North Carolina can and must do better. The comments drew a sharp response from Governor Roy Cooper spokeswoman Dory McMillan, who said, quote, even amidst shifting federal guidance, North Carolina's pace of vaccinations has increased 133 percent in the past week. And the state has administered more doses of vaccine than 41 other states and the District of Columbia. Now, one thing on the increased dosage, that 133 percent, that's not that's not terribly instructive. You know why? Because if I go from one to two, that's a 100 percent increase. Right. If I go from two to three, that's a 50 percent increase. Same number like in its, you know, in its discrete value of one, it's the same increase. Went from one to one, uh, one to two. That's a plus one, and from two to three is a plus one. But the percentage looks bigger, right? From the from the one to two, than the two to the three. So you got to be careful with these statistics like this. Um, she goes on to say, then listen to this. This is for the governor's spokeswoman. Even as groups like the chamber have pushed for tax cuts for the wealthy that harm state and local government services, the governor has directed every resources needed be to be used to increase vaccinations and is engaged with prominent private-public partnerships to help. Constructive feedback is welcome, but empty words do nothing to help get shots in arms right now. What a wasted opportunity. By the way, do you think that the North Carolina Chamber CEO... Gary Salamito, this rare commentary. Do you think he issued that a year now into the pandemic because he's being consulted and his organization feels like they're included in the governor's response? Or do you think maybe his response or his uh, comments here are based in, I don't know, maybe like a feeling like, hey, we got a lot of expertise that the governor's refusing to utilize. We could help you. We could help you. We could help you. We could help you. And he's been saying it for a year. And finally, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go public. (laughs) I suspect that's probably what's going on there. Meanwhile, we've got, this is an interesting uh, update, an article published in the American Journal of Medicine by 23 doctors and scientists. Get this. The title, well, I'm not going to read the title. It's all wordy. It's very sciencey. But the rapidity and highly communicable nature of uh, COVID-19 outbreak has hampered the design and execution of definitive, randomized, controlled trials of therapy outside of the clinic or the hospital setting. In the absence of these kinds of results, physicians have to use what has been learned about the pathophysiology of COVID-19 infection in determining early outpatient treatment of the illness with the aim of preventing hospitalizations and death. Okay, so what are they saying? We don't have enough 
uh, clinical trials that have been run. This is battlefield medicine, right? So we've got to look at stuff that's actually worked, these therapies, to try to get people um, healthy, right? So they don't go to the hospital in the first place. Listen, you know where this is going? Can you tell where this is going? COVID-19 hospitalizations and death can be reduced without patient treatment. They go on to say, the current epidemiology of rising hospitalizations serves as a strong impetus for an attempt at treatment in the days or weeks before a hospitalization occurs. Most patients who arrive to the hospital by emergency medical services with COVID-19 do not initially require forms of advanced medical care. Once hospitalized, about 25% uh, eventually need uh, you know, be put on a ventilator, advanced circulatory support, or renal replacement therapy. Hence, it is conceivable that some, if not a majority, of the hospitalizations could be avoided with a treat-at-home-first approach with appropriate telemedicine monitoring and access to oxygen and therapeutics. Right. So let's try to keep people out of the hospital. If, you know, only 25 percent end up with like really severe um, uh, symptoms, then we could I mean, 75 percent of the people may be able to be treated with therapies at home. Well, what kind of therapies do you think they might be recommending? Well, COVID-19 expresses a wide spectrum of illness progressing from asymptomatic to symptomatic infection. Um to fulminant adult respiratory distress syndrome and multi-organ system failure. There is a need to individualize therapy to include zinc. This is a known inhibitor of coronavirus replication. Clinical trials of zinc lozenges in the common cold have demonstrated modest reductions in the duration and or severity of symptoms. So zinc. Okay, what else? Azithromycin, azithromycin, I can never pronounce this one, is commonly used macrolide antibiotic. Okay, it's an antibiotic, and it has antiviral properties, so they're recommending azithromycin. Doxycycline, another common antibiotic with multiple intracellular effects that may reduce viral replication, cellular damage, and expression of inflammatory factors, and... Last but not least, hydroxychloroquine, an anti-malarial, anti-inflammatory drug that impairs endosomal transfer of virion, blah, blah, something, within human cells. I'm old enough to remember when Donald Trump was accused of trying to kill people by recommending hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin and zinc. This is not new information, but now the American... Journal of Medicine has this article saying, hey, guys, maybe we should be treating people with these these therapeutics uh, to keep them out of the hospital in the first place. Why do you think it's come out now? Or how about this? The World Health Organization put out a notice. Hey, everybody, if you're using the PCR tests to detect COVID-19, just a, a just want to, you know, update everybody, just a refresher. There's a bit of a problem here. Read the instructions when uh, interpreting the results of these PCR tests, because um, the PCR tests, the positivity threshold is re uh, and the, that are recommended by the manufacturer uh, is inversely proportional to the patient's viral load. What does that mean? It means the more times you run these things through the, the cycles 
to find the virus, the lower the viral load. It's inversely proportionate. So more cycles, less viral load. Where test results do not correspond with the clinical presentation, a new specimen should be taken and retested. The World Health Organization recommends uh, users that uh, disease prevalence alters the predictive value of test results as disease prevalence decreases, the risk of false positives increase. Do you get that? As disease prevalence goes down, the risk of the false positive goes up. And that means the probability that a person who has a positive result is truly infected decreases as the prevalence decreases. Most PCR tests are indicated as an aid for diagnosis. You should not be, I'm going to, this is me saying this, that you shouldn't be using this as the end-all, be-all determinant on, oh my gosh, these are all the cases, everyone's infected. Does any of this sound familiar? I have been saying this, John Sanders from the John Locke Foundation has been uh, screaming this from the from the hilltops. Like, we cannot keep relying on these PCR tests to determine the case counts, which are then used by the media to sell us all this idea that everybody is infected and dying from COVID-19. Because the more cycles you run, the the more minute pieces these remnants of the virus you find it doesn't indicate that you're that you're contagious or that you're even sick at that point now here's the point where i tell you about growers hemp now i take cbd drops before i go to bed uh from growers hemp i take the full spectrum hemp extract a couple of drops in a little you know uh, squirter and uh, put them under the tongue and then i go to bed and i don't wake up um until my alarm goes off in the morning like, I sleep more deeply now than I ever have before in my life. And I uh, I know that that's because of the CBD drops. Uh, so what are you looking for? Are you looking for a better quality of life, a deeper sleep, lower tension, immune system resilience? Please try Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract. They also have lozenges. They've got topicals if you're uh, wanting to try it for arthritis, for example. And uh, there are listeners of the show that got advanced... Uh, samples of these uh, of the products and here's a testimonial from carol who said uh, she felt well rested she did not toss and turn as much as she usually does she says i am a morning person and this did not interfere with my normal morning routine she said she did not feel drowsy so it's not like taking some sort of a sleep aid uh, and i completely agree with her on all of that um, as with all cbd products here's the test or the uh uh, the disclaimer that I've got to give you, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The other part about Growers Hemp that's really awesome is that these are North Carolina farmers. They're, they're family farmers uh, in uh, they're east of Charlotte, and they said, you know what, why don't we control the whole process, we will uh, we'll raise the crops, we'll have the manufacturing, and then we'll push this out on a retail level as well, and this way we can ensure the quality, so you'll get better quality at a lower price. And you're helping family farmers while they help you on your wellness journey. Go to growershemp.com, use the promo code PETE, and you'll get 20% off. Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp, not the hype. Stacy Matthews at the North State Journal says some of the same Democrats who for months lectured Republicans 
on how their push for reopening their states showed a callous disregard for their fellow citizens during the pandemic are now all of a sudden pushing for reopening their own states. (laughs) What what might have happened? Whatever could have occurred over the last week or so that might have prompted Democrats to change their tunes? We may never know. Heading the pack has been none other than New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who announced a stunning reversal in a tweet posted on January 11th. Quote, we simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The man dubbed the Love Gov by the New York media (laughs) tweeted on Monday. The cost is too high, he says. We will have nothing left to open. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. See, so now it can be done, everybody. Thank God a Democrat uh, has finally uh, told us that we can do this. Otherwise, we may never have been able to reopen, right? Thank God. In addition to Cuomo, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot who uh, was once such a staunch proponent of lockdowns that she advocated for police to monitor social media feeds in order to bust block parties. She said last week she wants to, quote, get our restaurants and bars reopened as quickly as possible, not just to stop private parties, but also because she says they need to be able to reopen in order to survive. <laughs> so, right. So they have to be able to survive. And also, have you noticed all these people are now going to house parties instead of going out to bars? Uh, yeah, if only some people might have predicted such a thing like me. Oh, my God. Also, just before I started this show today, the uh, governor of Michigan announced that on February 1st, indoor dining will resume. <laughs> it's amazing. Like we are right now. Think about it. Right? We're, we're looking at these numbers that have gone through the roof, right? There's surging and skyrocketing all over the place. We've got this new strain that's out there. And these Democratic governors are now reopening stuff. Three days, four days after the inauguration. I wonder what it could have been. Newsweek magazine, who, like many other organizations in the media, have played shame games with Republicans who advocated for reopening in 2020. They've published a report that found COVID lockdowns have shown no clear benefit versus other voluntary measures. She said, Stacey Matthews says, does it just so happen to merely coincide that talk of reopening among Democratic leaders and media outlets is occurring just as Joe Biden gets inaugurated she says no not in her opinion this is reminiscent of what democrats and the media did with the coronavirus vaccine whenever trump talked about how it would be available by the end of the year and what happened his political opponents said that couldn't possibly happen but it did and uh he and they said if it did happen it would be unsafe she says yet A week after the election, when it was announced that the first vaccine doses would be rolling out, all of a sudden, now the vaccine is magically safe again. And the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, uh, launched campaigns urging people to get vaccinated. Biden uh, and his running mate Kamala Harris and others on the left and in the media, they undermined the vaccine in the months leading up to the election. Remember, they were like, I wouldn't take it if, you know, if Donald Trump tells me to take it, I wouldn't trust Donald Trump on any of that. Well, Donald Trump didn't make the vaccine, you buffoons, right? This was all done to undermine, to minimize the victory, right? Not his, not Trump's victory, but the victory of the people that developed the vaccine. These people, they went to work, to create this product, this vaccine, and 
when they're when they're like, hey, we want to get this thing out as soon as possible. But because it might have been seen to benefit Donald Trump politically, people had to talk it down. And then, of course, they flip, like turn this 180 degree turn and they're like, OK, now, everybody, it's OK. And they can't understand why uh, why people's opinion of the media is so low. Right. And you can't understand why people might not trust the vaccines now. You told them not to. When the talk was, hey, we're going to get these vaccines pushed out the door, we're going to get it by the end of the year, they were like, whoa, 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 that's way too fast. You can't trust anything that's done that quickly. We have rules. We have clinical trials. It's the same crap that they did with the hydroxychloroquine. Like, I don't know, you're you're this experimental treatment. Like, hydroxychloroquine has been around for like 80 years. I don't even think it's patented anymore. Like, anybody can make this stuff. And, uh, I mean, any lab. I'm not, go- I'm not telling people to go out and do it because, God forbid, someone go out and try to take some of this stuff, right? Like the woman who poisoned her husband to death with this uh, fish tank cleaner stuff. Like, oh, well, that's, that's on Donald Trump. The sheer irresponsibility of Donald Trump's opponents... It really is on full display here. How many people died because of the kind of narratives that were pushed simply because orange man bad? It really is gross. Biden, Harris, Democrats, right? They all talked down the vaccine. They all said they wouldn't trust it coming from Donald Trump. And in addition to that, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, remember this, admitted a month after the election that, yeah, she did deliberately stall the COVID relief bill. Not on any kind of principle, but because she wanted to give Joe Biden a superficial legislative victory in the event that he won the election. I'm old enough to remember that. She prevented a COVID relief bill from uh, getting to the president's desk because it would have helped Donald Trump win the election. Or so they thought. And I don't say that because I support Donald Trump. I say that because it's completely dishonest and dangerous and grotesque. And it should be called out. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for making me part of your day. Uh, go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Remember, subscribe and give it a positive review. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Mm-hmm.